is the last Sunday of 2020. Anybody realize that? Today's our last Sunday. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what message can I share with the people today that will help them move into 2021 with more optimism? And he said, they, first of all, they just need to remember, I'm God, I've got all this in control. But he says, the rest of it is up to them. I'm still there. I'm still in charge. I can do things. They've got to do what they need to do to walk with me. This morning, I've got a message for you. You can be seated, guys. Thanks. I'm sorry. You can be seated. How about all of our visitors? Give our visitors a hand. we got a, a house full of visitors. A lot of visitors this morning. Make them feel welcome. Greet them on their way out. You can, you can wave at them or you, who, or whatever. Uh, I know the Bible says greet each other with a holy kiss. But, but in the best interest of, of germ spreading, right now let's keep the holy kiss to a minimum. We can wave, we can greet each other, fist bump, knuckle bump, elbow bump. We've gotten creative with how we can be friendly without getting in each other's face. I want to thank you for being here today. Christmas is over, that's a good thing. Everybody has, has, has ate, you're all tired of eating, right? None of you's got a big meal planned this afternoon, I bet. Some of you do. I've seen some smiles. Some of you still do. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm tired of eating. I'm glad the fast is coming after the first of the year. I've overindulged a little bit. Lord, forgive me, but I've, I've enjoyed some good food the past few weeks. So I'm hoping nobody's got a pot of beans on the stove because I've really got a word for you this morning. The Lord fired me up on this. We're going to open up this morning. And, and, and when he flashes the title up on the screen, go ahead, Caleb. They're not going to be excited when they see the title. Stewardship for Successful Living. See, I asked the Lord, and we're going to start in Colossians 1, um, verse 16. When I asked the Lord about the message, he says, I do my part. I've given all things. I've given this world. I created this world. I've given people all they need, but sometimes people don't take care of things and do things that they should be doing, but if they would just learn good stewardship. And we're not just talking about money. We're talking about all things that you have control over. We need to be good stewards. And the Lord burning my heart. If we would go in to this new year thinking about, Lord, realizing, Lord, it's all yours anyway. And we would just realize that if we would just work with God and be obedient to God, and be the best stewards over everything He's given us. Not just our money, not just other resources. Most important resource, time. The only resource that if you waste it, you can never regain it. Once time is gone, time is gone. You can't regain time. We all only have so much time that, that God has appointed for us to live, and then, then our time is, is finished. Sister Green, that we just she just mentioned, used to be... Uh, the first lady of this church married to former pastor Brother Green. She went home to be with the Lord, you said, last night. I hadn't heard that. But I know that was a life well lived. Sister Green managed her time. Sister Green was a good steward of what God gave her. Brother Green, the same way. If we all could just learn to take the best care possible of everything that God has given us. We're going we're gonna to take a walk uh, through the Bible, several scriptures. Man, I may preach from Genesis to Revelation this morning. Um, but let's start in, in, in Colossians 1 and 16. It says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that as I deliver this Word that You've given me, Lord, I'm excited this morning, the joy that, that You let me see in the benefits of being a good steward of the things that You've given us and the things that You've put us in charge of on this earth. Oh, Father God, I just pray that the hearts are ready to receive this Word. Prepare them to receive this Word. When we leave this place today, let everyone that's heard this Word say, man, I can use that. 2021 is going to be a better year. I'm going to work with God in 2021 to do my best to take the best possible care and manage everything that God has given me control over. 
to His glory. And Lord, I thank You for this message that You've given me. Amen and amen. Stewardship, stewardship in the Bible is one of the most critical things that we can learn. You see, all through the Bible, it talks about stewardship. And, and a lot of people misunderstand stewardship. There's some of you out there saying, oh no, he's going to preach on tithing this morning. He's going to tell us we ain't giving enough money. No, I'm not. That's not what I'm telling you. Tithing's part of it. Some of you think, oh, he's just preaching on money. That's part of it. And, it, and, and, and that's one of the, the basic things that if you've been around the church long, and if you've read through the Bible very many times, you see that tithing is definitely part of it. But that's, I'm not here to preach on tithing today. I want to talk about stewardship because stewardship is, is oftentimes con, confused with tithing and just giving of your money, but stewardship is much more than that. Yes, it includes tithing. Yes, it, it includes giving, but it's much more than that. Much more than that. So I want to start out, we're going to go to Mr. Webster. Thank, thank God for, for Mr. Webster. Mr. Webster had a way of putting things in words we could understand, and we're going to talk about uh, what he says it is, and then we're going to move into it and see what the Bible says about stewardship. So let's look at a, at a definition of stewardship. According to Mr. Webster in the dictionary, the office, duties, and obligations of a steward. Well, that don't tell us much. How about this one? The conducting, supervising, or managing of something. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Some of the synonyms for stewardship is administration, charge, conduct, control, direction, government, uh, handling, management, oversight, presidency, running, superintendent, superintendency, supervision. So, when we think about stewardship, we think about something that we take care of, and according to this definition, stewardship means to supervise, take care of, manage, or get the best possible resource. How many of you ever ever been in charge of people, supervised people? How many of you ever managed money? How many of you ever, ever managed accounts? We've got, we got people that manage, uh, you used to manage our mail. I wish you was up there now, brother. We still got mail hung up somewhere up the road. I wish you was still there. But we've all, at some time or another, had control over certain things in, in this world. We've managed. How many of you ever, ever watched somebody else's kids? When you watch somebody else's kids, you're, they've entrusted you with what most of them, <laughs> some days we wonder, but what most of them think is their most valuable resource, their children, if they entrust them with someone else to watch, they're entrusting you to be a good steward over their children. Some days people, people may not think that, depending on how your kids are acting. You might be like, yeah, please. <laughs> we all have days like that, brother. But stewardship is the responsible oversight of something that we've been put in charge of. Well, guess what? That opening Scripture, God created everything, but God entrusted that to us. We're going to zero in this morning on seven key things that have to do with stewardship. We're going to work on developing uh, some definitions of, of, of this. We're going to look more at what the Bible says. But if we just use that particular definition, the most responsible, careful oversight of something that's entrusted to us. I hear people say, I'm too blessed to be stressed, and God has blessed me richly. Are you being a good steward over everything that God has blessed you with? Because it's all about what we do and what He gave us. If we get, if we get those, those seven themes of stewardship burn into us, and we're going to get there. You see, our life is just a gift from God. It's on loan. Everything that we have belongs to God anyway, and we're going to, we're going to talk about that. But if we could just get through into our hearts that it's really not mine. I hear people talk about my money and my this and 
my, my career and my... Your career even is given to you by God. God gives you every good thing that you have. Every good thing that you have. First and foremost, theme number one, God created everything. First thing, to really understand stewardship, you got to understand God created everything. Even in Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The rest of the chapter goes through the six days of creation and the seventh day of rest. God created everything. It wasn't a big boom, like the scientists say. If it was, God made the big boom. Okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to, to doubt science and that. Science and the Bible can't agree. And I've got some books that I've, that I've been, been looking through and, and looking up some facts in. Science is proven more and more every day by the Bible. Sometimes science proves the Bible Sometimes the Bible goes along with science. Sometimes the two disagree. When they do, it's usually because some man or some woman thinks they're smarter than what God's Word says. Okay? But we need to realize, first and foremost, God created everything. Man may have had some knowledge. Man may have tweaked some of the great things that God has given us. And I thank God for modern medical science. I would never tell someone, no, don't go see a doctor. Don't take advantage of the great medical science that we have. But the knowledge and the resources for that medical science to do what it does came from God. God created everything so that we could have good things. Number two, God owns everything. Not only did He create everything, He owns it. Somebody said, well, God's not making my car payment. God's not making my house payment. God owns everything. He gave it to you on loan. You, you're responsible for how you pay for it. Sometimes you get ahead of God. Sometimes God gives you stuff debt-free. That's the kind I like. Sometimes God allows you to have a good job so that you can uh, secure a loan to buy a house and things like that. I'm not saying... I'm not, I'm, I'm, the Bible says neither a borrower nor a lender be. But sometimes we understand for short terms we may have to go in debt a little bit. But there's ways you can steward, effectively manage, properly manage your debt as well. There's a lot of people that were loving Santa Claus the past few days, but in the next couple of days when the credit card bills come in, they're going to hate that old fat man in the red suit. They're going to be mad at him. I wish he wouldn't come. Oh, he was, he was a lot of fun. But when them credit card bills come in, I learned a long time ago, we do a Christmas club account. I don't go in debt for Christmas no more. I'm not saying I ain't never done that, because I have. But I've learned to steward my resources so that we can enjoy Christmas and we can, we can, we can give. I've learned to steward my resources where I don't have that guilt when the bills start coming in, or that overwhelming sensation. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell within. God not only created everything, He owns everything. My, he owns my life. My life is a gift from God. He owns all the land. He owns all the the, the thing, the, the trees, the fish, the animals. He owns it all. He owns it all. There, there, I'll tell you a funny story. Me and, me and my buddy was going fishing. Pastor Gary Martin over in Tennessee. We were going fishing one day, and he has one of them real fancy men of bait buckets. Some of y'all may have seen them. The Engel bait buckets, they're kind of expensive. and they, he, he set his men a bucket down, and he's getting minutes one day, and we're in this little bait shop, and there's a few guys sitting around having coffee, seeing who can tell the biggest story. I know they don't do that around Puxico. But he looked at me, and he said, what kind of bucket is that? 
I said, oh, that's one of them high-dollar fancy buckets. I said, his daddy's rich. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, his daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He looked at me and he chewed around there and told me. He said, how many head of cattle did you say his daddy owns? I said, he owns it all. God. I'm talking about God. God owns everything. But God blesses us richly with what He has. Which brings me to the third point. Not only did God create everything, not only does God own everything, but God is in the business of delegating. God is in the business of giving to us what He owns. It's His pleasure. He created even us. Genesis 1, 26-28. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing. God created man in His image, and He created woman in His image, and He did that so that we could take care of what He had created. He delegates responsibility to take care of His creation to us. We have been appointed as stewards over God's creation. Pretty awesome responsibility. Each one of us has our own little part of God's creation that He's put us in charge of. And if we're honest with ourselves, hopefully we can say, I'm doing the best I can. I'm managing my household. I'm managing my finances. I'm managing my children. I'm, I'm raising them up to fear the Lord. I'm doing the right things. I'm taking the best care of the animals. I'm nice to animals. I'm kind. I put out bird feed for the bird when they're starving. I believe God even expects us to steward to that degree where we look out for for, for even the animals that are struggling. Y'all know what I'm talking about. In the winter, sometimes the birds can't even find something to eat. That's when you need to be putting out some bird seed. God blessed you where you can afford to buy a bag of bird seed. God blessed you where you could afford to put out a saucer of milk for the neighborhood cat that wanders from house to house. We call him Mr. Friendly in our neighborhood. I don't know whose cat he is. But he's a cool little cat. And we just we can we can spare a saucer of milk when he comes by, amen. We we can steward our resources. We can afford a saucer of milk to help out one of God's creation. The word says we are God's fellow workers. We're working together with Him. It says in Second Corinthians six one. We are supposed to be about God's business, managing. God's resources. Number four, we personally manage these resources. We are in personal control. We can't blame, you know, I've heard people say, man, the devil's all in my finances. The devil's trying to steal my money. You're the one that went and bought the new car you can't afford, not the devil. You're the one that has to wear designer clothes the, the, the devil put them out there and you bought the bait. Don't blame the devil for your lack of good stewardship. Come on now, I'm talking to somebody. somebody some, some of y'all's been there. I've been there. I've woke up before and looked at my finances and says, my goodness, how did they get this bad? But about 13, 14 years ago, God began to deal with me on how to manage my finances, how to manage what he's given me. See, it wasn't the fact that I wasn't making enough money because I was making plenty of money. I just wasn't being a good steward over what God gave me. It wasn't that I didn't have the stuff I needed to live a happy life. I just had it screwed up in my head about what I was doing. And I always, I had that, what I call the wanting spirit. Anyone know what I mean? With a wanting spirit, you always want more and more and more. You try to keep up with the Joneses, you know. Tim gets a new boat. First thing you know, Jared's got to have a new boat. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that old boat, Jared. Ain't nothing wrong with my old boat. We just, we, we just got to, to, to be the steward. We personally steward them. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. 
if you've got your Bibles with you. just want to read a quick verse here. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. It says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We steward resources. We're supposed to use the good resources God has given us. Money, time, it's not just money. Whatever God, our children, we have to be good stewards over our children. as well. We need to be parents, not friends. Amen? There's a whole lot of parents today still trying to be their kids' buddies. It don't work that way. The kids will take advantage of you every time. Kids, y'all know I'm right. Y'all know, y'all know how to twist mom and dad. We've got some grandkids that I guarantee you they have grandma wrapped around their pinky finger. They can pull her for whatever latest, greatest toy. She can't say no. Even to the point, can't even say no when you walk by the little crank machines in the store where you put quarters in them. And all that's in there is some good Chinese junk. But every kid thinks they got to put a quarter in that machine on the way out of the grocery store or Walmart. Nene will dig in her purse every time for that quarter for the Chinese junk that ends up thrown in the trash probably almost as soon as it, it comes out of the little plastic egg. Some of us waste a lot more than a quarter. Some of us, we see the latest, greatest gadget and we have to have it. What's the latest, greatest smartphone? What are they, 12s now? out? How many of you had to run out and get the 12 right away? The 10 was working fine, but you had to have the 12. Some of y'all know I still carry a flip phone. And oh, by the way, when the, when the AT&T building got blown up in Nashville, and they got a disruption on Tennessee phone numbers, my wife's phone didn't work good, but the old flip phone kept working. Her phone still isn't working good because of that, that tragedy that happened in Nashville. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12 says, Aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands. Yes, work. As we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Sometimes we all need a hand up. Sometimes we all need a helping hand from a Christian brother or sister, from the government, whatever. Yes, I'll take my stimulus check. Pass it. Pass the bill. Send me my stimulus check. Did any of y'all mail your stimulus checks back when the government sent them to you? Every one of you kept them and used them. And it's okay. It, it'll come off your taxes. When we file our taxes this year, we'll figure out where that stimulus check comes from. Sometimes it's okay to get a hand up from someone. But there are people out there today that are not even trying. The Bible says we're supposed to work with our hands. Remember, God put Adam in the garden to tend the garden. God created and ordained work. Work's not a bad thing. Some people, work's a four-letter word to them. And they don't want nothing to do with work. They always want a handout or they always want someone else to take care of them. But we're supposed to work for what we have and we're supposed to take good care and manage and steward those resources that God gives us. It's okay sometimes to take a hand up. But if you get in the mind of thinking, well, I'll just, I don't have to work because the government will give me a check. And I used to have students whose whole life goal plan when I was teaching in the inner city ghetto school was to have more babies because the government give me a bigger check more babies I had. That was their career plan. God did not intend for us to sit around and, and, and take advantage of systems. He intended us to work with our hands, to use the talents that He gave us. Another thing we steward is our talents. And to do what we could do uh, 
And all of our talents should be stewarded to the ability that we bring glory to God. Number five, we need to steward resources for saving. Yeah, I'm telling you, you need to save money. You need to save for a rainy day. If it rained 40 days and 40 nights, have you got enough savings to get you through that? Have you got enough savings to get you through the hard times? Don't happen overnight. You've got to start somewhere. For a long time, I lived from payday to payday. For a long time, there was a lot of times there would be too much month left at the end of the money. You've heard? That'd be a good country song. Somebody already wrote it though, didn't they? I heard that one time. For a long time, I was to the point where I didn't know how to steward my money. And, and, and I'm not bragging, but if I miss a paycheck here and there, I'm going to survive. I've learned to steward my resources. We steward our resources for that rainy day. Now, we're not supposed to pile up mountains and mountains of treasure because we should be putting our treasure in heaven and we get our treasure in heaven by doing good things for other people, which is going to bring me into another point here. We need to steward resources for saving for when the tough times come. Remember Joseph in the Bible. Joseph was probably one of the best stewards ever, and we're going to talk more about him. But he, he stewarded the resources during the good years, so during those years of famine, the people didn't starve to death, and he ended up saving a whole nation. Yes, the Bible does tell us, James 4.14, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 a moment. I sound like I'm conflicting myself here, but I'm not. Trust me. I'm going somewhere with this. In Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6, starting in about verse 19. I sound like I'm conflicting myself, but I'm not. It says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Brother Wally, you just told us we need to save. You do. And you need to put the most savings in your heavenly account. Your most savings in there because you're doing the things. You're helping other people. You're building your treasure in heaven by walking the good fight. By walking the good walk of faith. Fighting the good fight of faith. By helping others. By loving on people. By showing compassion. and Helping people. But you do need to save a little bit for a rainy day for yourself. God doesn't mind us having a little money. What He minds is when that money has us and when we're not <coughs> able to use that money to bless others. My fifth point was we need to save. And we do. We need to save for rainy days. We don't need to be so dependent if for some reason our check don't come one week that our family's starving to death. We need to, and, and the good financial advisors tell you you should have about six months worth of living expenses put back. Anything beyond that, your money might have you if you're not rolling that into something else. I know there's a lot of people out there that have built up impressive empires of money and big fancy houses and all that. When they go to meet their maker, they may have to explain some things. I'm not saying God deprives you of having nice things. He deprives you of letting those nice things have you. Some people are so worried about their car or their home or their bank accounts that they can't even focus on loving people and reaching out to people. But you should save a little for a rainy day just in case, okay? All right, point number six. Here's where it gets good. We steward resources for giving. Yes, if you're a good steward, you are managing your resources enough so that you can give. I'm not just talking about your 10% tithe. That's a gimmick. If you've been around church long at all, you've realized that you don't hold back on your 10% you're supposed to give to God in your tithes. 
It just don't work. Trust me. I know people that's tried it. Um, it don't work. 10% go. I'm talking about beyond that. You need to be able to give that extra little bit to help out a brother or sister who might be going through a rough time. You need to have that extra little bit that maybe you could drop a few dollars in some worthy uh, campaign or some worthy charitable cause. Maybe the church is doing a fundraiser to get a new sign. Hey, there's an idea. That might be something we do this next year, a fundraising campaign to do a new sign. Or maybe you see someone that their house burnt. They lost everything. Maybe you've stewarded your resource to the fact it don't hurt you to give a little money to that person going through a rough time. Because you may be that person going through that rough time later on. And you may need someone to give you a helping hand. We need to steward our resources to the degree that we can give to people. And not just our money, but our time. Sometimes people don't need your money. They just need your time. They just need you to spend some time with them. Sit down and talk with them. Let them talk to you. Let them vent on you a little bit. Let them, let them ask you for advice or, or let them just open up. And sometimes they don't need you to do anything but just listen. But in this, this, this fast-paced world we live in, sometimes we, 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 we're... And I'll tell you, if you're a poor time manager, you were out on Christmas Eve still shopping. Who did that? Uh-oh. Anybody do that? Anybody still out there? Because I know somebody did. And he called me and he's like, oh, I'll never do this again. We steward so that we can give to others another reason. That's, that's above your 10% tithes. That's a gimmick. God gives you 100%. If, if you give your 10%, God will bless your 90% to the degree. And some people have got ridiculous with it. I'm one of those. I, money don't mean that much to me. Because I know that I can't take it with me because I've not been to one funeral that had an armored car following the hearse to the grave. I know that. I enjoy Every day I try to save for the future, but I try to bless people. And, and, and our giving plan, and my wife don't totally always understand it, but my giving plan is a lot more than 10%. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying God blesses me. I can live on about 70% or 60% or 50%. Because if I see someone that's in need, I'll give the shirt right off my back to that person. Because I know God has blessed me. And I've been in some of those situations where I was down almost to my last shirt. I, I, like the Apostle Paul says, I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to be in want. But I've learned to be happy in whatever circumstance that I find myself in. And I greatly reworded that Scripture. But you get the idea. I want to be a blessing to others. I want to be able to steward, steward my resources to the point that whenever I see a need, I can help someone with that need. Am I always able to help everybody I see? No. And you can't give to everything. If you sit and watch the TV long enough, you would find enough good causes to give your money to. This time of year, they're really playing the commercials to help the animals. ASPC or whatever that group is. They're, they're playing that. And I, some of y'all may be given to help take care of those animals, and that's okay. Some of you may be fans of St. Jude Hospital or whatever. There's good causes, but God expects us to, have a, to, to be such good stewards of our resources that we're able to help people in need. And then some of our other resources, like the good sense God gave us to know how to make money and manage money, we share that with other people too. You see, if you... There's a saying out there, if you give a man a fish, he eats today. If you teach him how to fish, he can eat. Well, there's other sayings too. He'll stay on the lake all the time and never come home. But there's sayings that he'll be able to feed his family forever if you teach him how to fish, not just give him the fish. So if we're managing our resources, and we're that kind of person that has the ability, we just know how to make money, then we need to take that resource, our knowledge, and we need to share that knowledge. We need to be someone that teaches. And there's a lot of churches that have programs where, where, where there's people that don't even know how to balance checkbooks. There's people that don't know how to manage their money. Some people are great money managers. 
That's a gift from God. They need to be able to share that with people. That's a resource that you steward and you help other people learn to be good, good managers of their money. My dad could take a nickel and squeeze it, and I swear he would get six pennies out of that nickel. My dad was a good money manager. My brothers said, no, dad's just tight. Dad wasn't just tight. Dad knew how, because dad lived through the Great Depression. Dad remembers when they had to eat possum and coon and whatever else scurried through their yard they could kill and eat. But he learned how to, how to make sure he was only spending money on what he really needed. He learned how to steward those resources. And he taught me a lot of that. But he also taught me some things. At times, he was a little too frugal or a little too tight. I learned to balance from my dad. Not that he had to balance, but I learned how to have the balance by observing my dad in action. Some of us, we have talents. We could help people with that. Here's the point. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, are under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So basically, God wants us to be able to steward our resources so we can just give and just be ridiculous in our giving, like the Philippians were. Just be able to, to give money. And Paul praised the, the Philippian people for being such gracious givers. Ridiculous giving almost. I have been at that point at times where I was actually a ridiculous giver. But God always blessed me and took care of me and brought me back to that. And I'm telling you, the more you give, the more you get. It don't make sense in the natural world. Don't go asking a financial advisor. They, they won't be able to explain it. But if you use the resources God has blessed you with to bless other people, to bless the ministry, to bless God's work, to be kingdom builders for God by being a good steward of all He's given you, God's just going to keep giving you more. You ever see people that just seems like they just, God just keeps pouring blessings on them? They're, they're overflowing. The Word says it'll, our, he, he, will, he will give us a blessing that our cup runneth over. We'll just, the blessings will overtake us. We need to learn to steward our resources in such a way that we actually plan or steward or manage our resources so we can give, whether it's financial, whether it's our time. Some people can't manage their time well enough. They're still shopping at Christmas Eve, like I said. They never have time to spend that time with someone that needs, needs somebody to be their friend. Needs someone to listen to them. You need to manage those resources so you can give to others. Seventh thing is, we steward for helping. This is where it gets tough. This, this may cut at some people. Let me, let me read this one. Just a couple of verses for you. First of all, God wants us to take care of our family. You can read that in 1 Timothy 5.8. He wants us to take care of our church. It talks about that all through the Bible, like 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18 and Galatians 6, 6. And I want to read Matthew 25 because He wants us to take care. Flip to Matthew 25. I want to read this. He wants us to take care of people in need. And I want to stress this extra hard. Verse 25, start, or chapter 25, starting in verse 35. Jesus speaking here. He's talking in times. He's talking about in a parable. He says, uh, he's speaking to the people. He says, For when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, 
You did it to me. We should be doing all things as if we're doing them unto the Lord. Because everything He's given to us is on loan from Him anyway. So we should be using and doing, using our time, using our resources, using our, our talents, our gifts that the Lord gives us. Everything toward helping others, helping build the kingdom of God, taking care of our family. We need to do those things. But we need to be reaching out and helping others. We need to do it as unto the Lord. 1 John 3.17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love, God's love abide in him? The greatest commandment was to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, to love our neighbors ourselves. If we see someone in need and we're not able to, to, to let go and help and steward our resources to the point of helping others, and, and we say, well, I'll pray for you, that's good. People do need our prayer. But sometimes they need real tangible help from us. It may just be our time. It may be our money. It may be our labor. Whatever God has given you, you need to use that to help other people. And if you're not able to reach out and help people with whatever resources you have, if you're not being a good steward of your resources, and you're not being effective in the kingdom, maybe you don't have as many days as somebody. I don't know. I'm just saying God expects us. I'm living my life like today could be my last day. If we all would live our lives like today could be our last day. I preached a sermon of... Uh, few weeks ago, what if you knew, you know, how much time you had left? <clears throat> we need to be about God's business. We need to be about doing His will. <clears throat> Many examples of stewardship in the Bible, and I'm, I'll, I'll try to get to the point here before the beans burn. Genesis 1, 26 and 28, I shared this with you a while ago. But this is probably the best example of stewardship in the Bible. God created us to take care of the garden. It talks about where, where Adam, uh, he was made in our image, and we were given dominion. Some of us are not taking our rightful place in exercising our dominion over what God has given us to have dominion over. Think about that a moment. Are we managing stuff or is stuff managing us? Some of us, it, it takes us an hour in the morning to check our Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, all that. There is a Twitter, right? It, it takes us that long in the morning. We've got so much important stuff to manage on our electronic social media. I heard some people laugh back there. But y'all know people like that. Some of us, we've got so much stuff, we've got to make sure everybody's People follow you on one of those, right? Is that Twitter? One of those they, they follow you on. Or I got to post an Instagram, or I got to get, get all this stuff posted so people will know that, you know, I'm living life good and I got a new car. Yes, I've been vain too. First thing I do is post a picture of a deer as soon as I kill a nice deer. I know. Some of you guys did the same thing. I saw Mark's deer as soon as he killed it. I did the same thing. And God don't, God, God don't want us not to have fun and enjoy things. But He don't want us to get so caught up in the stuff and the, and the activities. Some of us got so wrapped up in Christmas and so busy during Christmas that we didn't take time to even pray. Or maybe we skipped our devotions some of those, those days. God don't want us so bombarded with stuff, including activities, that we don't stay focused on Him. We have to be good stewards of our resources, our time, and we have to be focused. The Bible shows that. He created us to be there. Adam was called to work the garden. Chapter 2, it talks about uh, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to work it and keep it. And since God put Adam in the garden to work before sin entered the world, 
Work's not a sin. Work's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Matter of fact, what's that saying? An idle mind is the devil's workshop. We need to have something to occupy us. We need to be focused on stuff. Work is not bad. It was part of God's original plan. Joseph, as I already mentioned, Joseph was probably the best example of a steward in the Bible. He was put in Potiphar's house. He was put in charge of everything that Potiphar had. His, his, his money, his household, his servants, his food, all of that. He was doing his best. Along the way, he got some some trouble came at him. He didn't do anything wrong. In fact, he kept being honorable even though he was falsely accused and everything else. Thrown in prison. Elevated out of the prison to be the man in charge of the great uh, empire of Egypt and all the resources and saved the world from starving to death through his great stewardship abilities that God had given him. He had that ability. And it started with his gift of being able to interpret dreams. And that's a good sermon for another day. But he learned how to manage things. He, he set our example. He was in charge of everything that they had in the greatest empire at the time. What about Moses? Moses was a pretty good steward. Of course, Moses had people that were following him that were obedient all the time and they were always easy to get along with. They never whined or complained. Wait a minute. I'm in a fairy tale. That's not the Bible. Moses was a steward over some of the most hard-headed, knuckle-headed people. I can preach sermons for weeks on the Israeli children and how we can learn from but Moses was such a good steward, he kept on doing the best he could with the situations he had. Look at some of the things he wrote into the law and some of the stewardship principles. And they come directly from God because God worked six days, gave us the seventh day off. We need that day of rest to rejuvenate. I know people that won't even take a day off and rest. They work all the time. They're not being good stewards of the greatest resource God has given them their very life. Because you need that, that downtime to rest. The, the, uh, the, the Leviticus law, and you can read this in the book of Leviticus, they wanted them to let the land rest on the seventh year. A certain amount of the land, every year they would let some of the land rest. The Amish people still do this today. If you've ever been in an Amish and, and some of the Mennonite communities, they still follow biblical law in letting the land have that seventh year rest. So it has that year of rejuvenation. Like we need that day of rejuvenation on the seventh day when we steward our lives. Steward in their farmland. The smart owners of businesses take that seventh day rest and they close on Sundays. They honor God's holy day. They give their people time to rest. The farmer my brother works for no matter how bad it gets. I believe that he lets part of his land lay out too. He's following that principle. But he also makes sure none of his people work on Sunday. It don't happen. I don't care if it's supposed to rain and I may not get all my crops out. I'm honoring God and I'm taking care of my people and letting them rest on Sunday and I'm keeping God's Sabbath holy. He does that. Big farmer over around Clark. So I come to the big point here. We know the Bible's full of good stewards. I've sat here and I went on and on talking about stewardship. The big point we need to ask ourselves is who is Lord of our life? Who is Lord of our life? Are we lords of our life? Or is the Lord Jesus Christ Lord of our life? Is He guiding and directing us? Are we managing and stewarding our resources according to His will. In 13.5, it says to examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Ask yourself some questions. 
Who's Lord of my life? What, what makes me tick? What motivates me? What takes my time? What am I spending my efforts on? What do I spend my time thinking about? What do I plan to? Do I desire to seek the Lord in prayer? Do I desire and hunger to get in the Lord's Word? Do I participate in my church? Or do I just drop by and throw some money in the offering plate and move on and tell them I'll pray for them? Or do I get involved and help the church do what the church is supposed to be doing? Do I follow the Lord as He revealed Himself in the Bible? Or do I just keep giving Him money and asking forgiveness and hoping everything will be okay? Am I being a good steward of everything God has given me in my life, my time, my money, my resources, my thoughts, my talents? Am I being all I can be? Am I letting Jesus be Lord of my life and is everything I got managed in according with doing His will? Or do I still got some selfish stuff going on? As we move into this new year, if we move forward, and, and, and I know people don't always like to hear about money, but if we move forward this next year with the mindset that we're going to manage our lives according to biblical principles, everything that God tells us to do in this Bible, we're going to manage our time, we're going to manage our resources, we're going we're to be good stewards over the life that God has blessed us with. If we move forward in 2021 with that mindset, no matter what comes at us, if we get locked down or whatever, whatever time I've got, if I'm not able to go to work because the government shuts us down for a month, I'm going to lock in and read God's Word. Or I'm going to spend more time with my kids. And I'm going to teach my kids the deeper things of Christ. I'm not just going to sit around during, during the shutdown and watch old movies. I'm going to dig into God's Word. I don't know what 2021 is going to bring for us. None of us does. But I guarantee you, I have made a, a resolution in my heart, or a determined in my heart. I don't like making New Year's resolutions because I always, I always seem to tend to break them. How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution and, and broke it? I'm going to lose weight. That's the biggest one. I'm going to do better on this, that, or the other. <clears throat> no, <clears throat> I went beyond making resolutions. I have determined in my heart that I'm going to do the best job I can in serving my Lord and Savior and being the best steward I can over everything He's given me from my life, through the, through the resources, through my friends. I'm going to be the best steward over the things that I come in contact with that I can. And I believe if I do that, <clears throat> then my checking account will reflect God's will. I believe that People I'm able to touch will reflect God's will. I believe if the church at large, I'm not just talking about this church, I believe if the church at large, people who claim to be blood-bought Christians, children of God, they, they, they've experienced the new birth and they are trying to live Christ-like. I believe if the church at large would grab a hold of what it means to be a good steward of everything that God has given him, I believe this world would be a much better place. I believe the church would be that viable force coming against darkness and we wouldn't sit around and have to see all the stuff that we see if we try to watch the liberal news media. We would, we would see more coverage of the church doing good things. I think the church just, in a lot of cases, the church just quit trying. They just quit trying. They just gave up. But I believe if we each and every one that claims to be a child of God, if the, and, and I don't know if anyone else has a message similar to this, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, in another town, pastor preached on this, that, or the other. I don't know if the other people, pastors are preaching this or not. I know God laid it on my heart strong to remind my people to be good stewards over everything that I have given them. We will win. A lot of the problems we have is because the church quit being good stewards over what they had. They let Satan's world and the worldly people 
take over and run our government and everything else. We need to be, we need to be getting more active. We need to make sure we're voting in godly people. We need to make sure we're doing what we can as the church to spread the love of Christ. If we just steward our resources to the best of our ability, and your vote is a resource. But I knew people in churches who claim to be Christians that vote certain ways because they think they'll get more money from the government or whatever. They vote their pocketbooks, not their, not their souls, not their hearts. This next year, let's don't make a New Year's resolution, but let's determine in our hearts that we're going to be the best stewards over everything God has given us that we can. Y'all didn't know a message on stewardship could be so exciting, did you? But you guys have sat there and listened to me go on almost an hour on stewardship, and nobody went to sleep except Mikey, but he was tired when he got here. And you guys have been good stewards of this hour, and I've tried to be a good steward of your time as well and give you something that you can sink your teeth into and grab a hold of, because I believe if we want to see 2021 be better, and even though the world may not look so good, like I say, I had a great year in 2020. I caught more fish than I've ever caught. I caught near a thousand crappie in 2020. I killed the best deer I've ever killed in my life. I come to the best church in the world to be their pastor in 2020. I spent more time with my wife in 2020. I spent more time talking with people in 2020. I spent more time reading the Word in 2020. And you know what? I'm going to try to even do better at how I steward my resources in 2021. And I hope each and every one of you that this message today, you've got something in your heart that says, yeah, and I'm not, I didn't say it to try to make anyone feel bad about how they've been doing. That's not the purpose of God's Word. The purpose of God's Word is to show us areas we can do better in. And that's why I shared this with you. I'm not saying that you've necessarily been bad stewards. Some of you may, may maybe there's some things I, I mentioned that you said, yeah, I can do better. If you learn how to do something and how to make something better, but you fail to do it and you keep doing things the same way, hoping for a different result, someone said that's the definition of insanity. But if you want things to get better, you try to seek the Lord's guidance and you try to press on and do what the Word tells you to do. I've shared with you this morning some key principles on stewardship that will help you be successful in 2021. Because I want every one of you to have a blessed year. I want you to be so blessed that your cups are overflowing. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I've given this message as you've given it to me. Lord, I hope the people understood how excited I am about the benefits of being a good steward of everything that you've given us. Lord, I hope that something I've said, one of the Scriptures, one of the examples, one of the silly stories, has touched the people in their hearts so that this coming year, they can say that 2021 was the best year ever. 2020 was a great year, Lord, and I thank You for how You blessed me through a year when a lot of the world suffered. But Father God, as Your children, we know that we're not supposed to be under the curses that the world are under. We're not supposed to, to suffer. Yes, sometimes the world is such an evil place that, that bad things do bleed over on us. But Lord, we've got the promise that You're going to be with us. You're not going to forsake us. You're going to go with us through everything we go through. And Father God, I pray as we move forward into 2021, Lord, I pray each and every person will do some, some thinking time, reevaluate their lives, reevaluate their priorities in their lives, and that they will look toward your stewardship principles in this coming year even stronger. And that, Lord, you will impress upon them the things they need to do to steward for helping other people. 
to steward for being kingdom builders, to steward for being good mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, to steward to have time to give to people who need their time. Oh, Father God, help each and every one that's within my earshot that's hearing this, that heard this message and that's hearing this prayer. Help each and every one of us, Father God, to be better stewards. Show us things that we need to correct in our lives if there are corrections, things that we need to tweak and do better. Father God, help us to make the best use of everything You've given us, especially our time. Because that's the one resource that if we waste it, we can never recoup the time. Time is the most precious resource. Father, I just pray that You help each and every one. 